Welcome to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to our anchor sponsor, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Central Iowa's premier good food store. Gateway brings together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate personalized service. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, check out Gateway Marketing Cafe. Ed Fallon with you here, folks, uh, and Dr. Charles Goldman. Quick shout-out to the Des Moines Irish Session for our bumper music. Charles, how you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Recovering from COVID. Re- recovering from or COVID. The, the infection we shall not name. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we will be talking about COVID later in the program. We'll yes, also we will. be talking talking about uh, making water from air. But first, we're going to kick it off with a, um, can I even call this a debate about debates? I mean, well, Tucker Carlson and Trump wasn't really a debate. But the no. other eight gathered together. That mm. was a debate. Right. And Charles and I drew straws. And uh, he drew the... Uh, the yeah, long straws. He got to watch just 30 minutes of Trump. and, and Well, 30 and of the 46 minutes of the Trump. So you, you uh, bailed out on the last 16 minutes, huh? Well, the, you know, I'd already received my maximum entertainment value. I had to go over point. two hours of entertainment with the other eight, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the it's it's been analyzed and all that. But, um, you know, I, you know, they always try, the, the pundits always try to look for the winner in the debate. Right. I don't I don't see it. I don't see how you come up with a winner from that debate. I, to me, there was a couple losers, <laughs> but but we we kind of knew where Asa Hutchinson and uh, and uh, Doug Burnham were going. Anyhow, I would be right. really surprised to see those two, you know, Midwestern governors in the uh, next round and next debate in California. But um, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's been doing well in Iowa, I, I got to say, Charles, I was about as unimpressed with him as an unimpressed person can get. I mean, he he's just whacked. He's yeah. an absolute nutcase. Yeah. He's a nutcase. Hey, if Ron, Vivek, if you're listening, you're a nutcase. Sorry, I don't. I don't say that often, but the stuff you were saying is, is, is just brazen crazy talk. Well, I mean, he he, from what I could see, I didn't watch much except some of the highlights and you know read some articles on the debate. I mean, he was basically there because Trump. He was there to be Trump, in the absence of Trump. Yes, but, clearly. You know, yep. Once once again, the question is the same. All right, Trump still lives. So why are you running a campaign to basically be Trump? Because he wants to be VP. That's true. Yeah. No, I understand that. Sure. I understand that he's, yeah, he, 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 everybody's auditioning here for... Not everyone. Chris Christie is not auditioning <laughs> well, to be Well, okay, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and honestly, neither is Nikki Haley. Yeah. Well, and, neither, and neither is Mike Pence. I mean, Mike Pence uh, did that once, and I think uh-huh. he's done. Uh, came close enough to being hung. <laughs> doesn't want to go. Doesn't want to go that route again. Well, the qu- the question is is who would Trump pick for number two? I mean, left to his own devices, it you know it'll be Marjorie Taylor Greene. But you know, <laughs> but, or, or what's her name? Uh, the the Robart? No, 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 no. The woman from uh, Carrie Lake. Oh, Carrie Lake, yeah, uh, the right. the former newscaster from Eastern Iowa, yes, who turned failed uh, candidate in Arizona, exactly, who they yeah. say has been living at Mar-a-Lago oh. until she likes the golf course. Well, well, supposedly she's been there with her husband. Okay, but frequent uh, visits to uh, to, uh, to 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 the gravestone of kiss uh, the ring, yeah, kiss the ring. Okay, because right. um, you know Melania's not there, so right. well, yeah, where is she? <laughs> She's up in New York with her parents. <laughs> Mommy, Daddy, take me. <laughs> well, I can't believe I'm with this guy. <laughs> well, he, I think he has to pay her for every appearance, the few she makes. Yeah. You know. Anyway. Well, yeah, anyway, yeah, so. But, I, I, you know, again, his ideas are, are 
the kind of ideas that early on everyone's always looking for something different. We're right? talking about Trump or Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, like this idea that you shouldn't be able to vote until you're 25, mm -hmm. unless you've done military service or some sort of community service, and even then you should have to pass a civics test. That would disqualify a huge number of the MAGA voters. So I'm not <laughs> sure how that works. You know. Um, it, you know, and, and again, he's another one who's a phony, successful businessman. I, I say I know nothing about his business background. He evidently was involved in some scheme with a drug that was not approved for sale. So he's a drug dealer? Not that kind of oh, drug. Oh, okay, not all right. Fentanyl. Um, <laughs> I'm not fentanyl. <laughs> you know, but, but, he, but he is of a type. I mean, he's, he's, there's a lot of right-wing tech people. You know, everybody sees the tech industry is some sort of liberal controlled, you know, kind yeah, of progressive it's entity. It's, it's a mix. mix. Yeah. It's a mix. You got plenty of people who are as conservative as in any other field. The status quo is a bipartisan oligarchy. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, um well, yeah, back to back to the uh, you know, Ramaswamy, I thought the best moment in the debate, and first of all I was surprised, shocked in fact, that Fox asked a climate question. In fact mm -hmm. they they deferred to a young conservative who basically said, you know, why aren't why aren't we hearing you guys talk about you people talk about the uh, the man man made climate change and how urgent it is, and when the the Fox moderators went to they asked raise your hand if you agree that that climate change is man made right, DeSantis shut them down. What are we school kids? <laughs> I mean it was such a school kiddish response, right. but he effectively shut it down. He yeah. nobody people didn't have to put up their hands, mm -hmm. but. Here comes. Uh, well, wasn't there another one where they asked? What was yeah, it? they put the up the pardon, hands for that. What the pardon the Trump, Trump question? Yeah. Well, or uh, vote for Trump. I think I can't remember. Maybe maybe both. But yeah, they put up the hands for that. But clearly, DeSantis did not want to address the climate issue. Right. Yeah. And so um, he didn't. But Ramaswamy did. He mm -hmm. said climate change is a hoax. He said the agenda is a hoax. This is what he said afterwards. That he wasn't really saying he doesn't totally believe in climate change occurring, but the agenda around it is a hoax. Now nah, he's he, he he it came off in the debate as climate change is right. a hoax, I and I'm I'm just like Donald Trump in that capacity. And you know right. what? He got booed. He got mm -hmm. booed pretty strongly. And I was I was in, I mean, again, this is Fox News. This is a Republican audience. You don't you don't come expecting a lot. So that was um <laughs> those were two glorious moments to me that Fox even asked a question. Well, I thought no, I, actually I thought for once they they did put him on the spot. They put him on the spot about the abortion issue. True, too. true, yeah, yeah. To which uh, Nikki Haley, of course, um, a, a decent. I mean, I I. Yeah, I, like you said, like you said earlier to me, she punted on it. She didn't really answer the question, but she did speak truth to the reality that what, that there was not there's not going to be a federal effort to ban abortion. Right. That took well, some guts. It did. It did. And and the reason why that's the case is number one, that there are states that don't want to be told by the federal government again, as with Roe v. Wade, that there's some level of viability before which you can perform, you know, abortions can be performed, which is part of what she said. Um, you know, and that nothing is going to get decided because it's going to get filibustered, hmm. which either way, you know, and that we're going to end up with everything is as it is, which is it's going to be state by state, you know. Um, but they're going to have a problem. They are going to have a real problem what to do with abortion because unfortunately for them, yeah, they rammed this through. But the country doesn't agree with them, yeah. including a lot of people nominally on their side yeah. don't agree with them. Right, and especially the the great uh, middle of the uh, political, you know, electorate, the um, the uh, the no party folks. 
Well, you know, as I've said to you before, even the six-week thing doesn't make any sense to me. No. I mean, first of all, it doesn't make any biologic sense. But, you know, it, if you're kind of left with either life begins at conception or it doesn't, mm-hmm. right? Whether you say six weeks is legal or 15 weeks is legal, that's making some acknowledgement that life, as we understand it, does it, not begin, does at, not conception, begin yeah. at conception, yeah. right? But if it's murder at 15 weeks, how is it not murder at six? Yeah, and you know, and, you know I mean, I, you know, abortion, of course, did come up during the debate. It's one of those litmus test issues. But, but you know, I, I'm looking at the, the field, eight candidates, right? So let's, let's discount. It's interesting that the, the two old white governors, you know, Hutchinson and mm-hmm. Burnham, they're pretty, much, they're pretty much done, I think. They got very little time. They didn't shine. Right. I think they're pretty much done. Then you've got uh, Pence and Christie, who were pretty much kind of the opposites uh, in some ways. I mean, you know, I, Christie had a funny moment, by the way, where he, he was asked about UFOs. Mm. He said, oh, I get the UFO question. <laughs> it was <laughs> exactly. a funny moment, yeah. yeah. And he, at least, he, he was not afraid to, to blast away at Trump. That showed some, some guts in that audience. Pence sounded like a robot. And a robot that is programmed to constantly interrupt other people, including the moderators. Mm-hmm. And that may be why he got the most time of anybody, because he just wouldn't shut up. Yeah. I, I did not think he came off as sounding very, uh, very confident. Or, again, I'm, I'm not talking, I'm, I'm not a Republican. So, but, um, you know, so you've got, you've got those four candidates, and then you've got two Hindus on the stage. I think Nikki Haley is a Hindu, I believe. She's uh, um, and Ra- South Asian. And Ramaswamy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you've got uh, Scott. And right. I'm, miss, I'm missing somebody, but um, who am I missing? Um, but anyway, you know, you've got a field. Well, DeSantis. DeSantis. Oh, DeSantis. Who I who, think is, from what I saw, I mean, he's he's cooked. Yeah. Well, and he. Um, I mean, he looked around before he raised his hand. Yeah, he did. Right. He did, yeah. I mean, that's real leadership. Yeah, that's real leadership. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, and I'm not even sure, but I'm assuming DeSantis might be of Latino background. I don't know. Anyway, you've got you've got this field of eight presidential candidates, the two poorest. Performing ones are white guys, old white guys, mm-hmm. and you've got this field that, in, that includes quite a bit of diversity. Right. It, it, no, does that present a problem for Democrats? The Democratic Party, the party of diversity, inclu- you know, always accusing Republicans of being, um, you know, opposed to diversity, and suddenly you've got this field of presidential candidates where you've got, you know, a woman, two Hindus, black guy. You know, it's like, right. it's, you know, I mean, I remember when Democrats in Iowa used to get really upset at the fact that we never had elected a woman to governor or U.S. Senate or U.S. Congress. And now we've done all that. And they're all Republicans. Mm-hmm. And they're all pretty conservative, right wing Republicans. Well, I and mean, that's what gets back to the decision for vice president, which is, you know, is it going to be an emotional decision? Which with Trump usually is what it is, <laughs> right? Or is it going to be a rational decision where he does exactly that, which is that he offers something that might sway independents to yeah. to believe? Although, of course, I don't think Trump's going to. He's it's not going to be a calculated move, like you said. Right. It's going to be. It's, a, he's going to go with his. He gut. went. He went with a calculated. He's going to go with his gut, which is expanding in yeah, spite and, of the way in, <laughs> in spite of the way in or the non way in, in Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> well, so tell tell us about the Trump Tucker Carlson love fest. Okay, so which you subjected yourself to. All right, Ed, for thirty minutes. How far into a forty-six minute interview do you think the election fraud came up? Oh, uh, not at all. Oh, no. Oh, it yeah. always, it's Trump. It has to okay, come up. sure. Oh, okay. Five minutes, 25 seconds, which I thought was actually pretty long before he got to it. Right. However, he did lead off with a lie. <laughs> no. Trump right. lied? 
Right. He leads off with that he is up to 70% lead in the primary. Well, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's what, his lead what, off. He what goes poll right is to that it. from? Who knows? Yeah. It's in his head. Yeah. Um, you know, then he spent a lot of time with his usual, like, you know, schoolyard. Oh, let me make up some nicknames for. Well, I heard, yeah, I heard right. he, he yeah. called about the Santos, the Sanctimonious. Well, he always calls him the Sanctimonious. Which is brilliant. I mean, right. that's just such brilliance, right? right? Absolutely. I'm brilliant. kidding. I'm okay, kidding. so then we, then we talk for about two minutes about whether. Epstein killed himself or he was killed. Right. That's a pressing okay, campaign issue. Right. Everybody's um, got that on their minds. That was followed by Tucker Carlson saying, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> With a straight face? <laughs> With a straight face. Okay. So any, now now we're, we're already numerous minutes in. We haven't talked about anything of, of real substance yet. We won't anyway. Um, about 8.15, what did we talk about? The Durham Report. Which is that was that report that Barr got the oh, uh, right, right, yeah right, right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. supposedly proves that you know that, that Obama was spying on him and everything else, which of course proved nothing of the sort. And mm. remember, three there was like three trials that came out of the Durham report, and Durham lost all of them. Yeah, yeah everybody was found innocent. Yeah. Um, okay, then we went back to the election is rigged, was rigged, because we have so much on that. Remember that was supposed yeah. to be that was supposed to be you know yeah. a, like a, a so week much ago. but we've never seen it right. Then he went on a, for for another like two three minutes on Biden doesn't look healthy. <laughs> <laughs> He's got these skinny legs. He can't walk through sand. And did you know that the the White House lawn is only two is cut to two inches height? And what? Did, well, it came up because he said Biden can't lift his he can't lift his feet high enough to not shuffle through the White House lawn or the beach. How long is the grass at Mar-a-Lago? I don't know. He didn't tell us that. All right. Um, and, and what's he doing on the beach? Because the president is supposed to be working. Here from a man who spent the year of his four years <laughs> playing golf. Um, then, of course, we had his usual solution to, I would end the war in the Ukraine, right? Right. Because it's a terrible war because there's people being, you know, who are being killed in their apartments on both sides, as always, right? So there's, there's always on the Russian side. Right. Also happening, but no wait, wait. There's, there's not good people on both sides of that war. There were, well, that's essentially what he was saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> if I was president, the war would have never started, right? Because right, Putin was so scared of him. Oh, okay. okay. Then oh. he talked about all these foreign leaders he met, except the only ones he could think of were Xi, Putin, and Kim Jong Un. See, what do they have in common? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> okay, this was this was this was a high point. Uh, he told the story about how he kept us out of nuclear war because Kim Jong Un was ready to drop a nuclear weapon on our our base in in South Korea. And at the same time, he convinced Kim Jong-un to send the athletes to the 2018 Winter Olympics, thereby saving the Winter Olympics, because otherwise they were going to be bankrupt because no one wanted to travel there, right? Wow, that's some circuitous logic. Right. And yeah. I just want to remark that actually after the conference, the 12-hour conference that the South Koreans and North Koreans had to agree to this, the North Koreans specifically said, that Trump had nothing to do with it because he'd been saying this for since two thousand eight, you know, two thousand seventeen. So, you know, even well, if, we got two people who are known for prevaricating, yeah, here, so I'm not sure who to believe. Okay, Just and see. then yeah, so then the, 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 some of the other biggies. Oh, oh, here here were the big issues they talked about. Oh, open borders. Drum, drum roll, drum roll. Right, open borders, which of course no plan, nothing. Right, high taxes. That for all of you out there who love those tra- tax cuts that you got supposedly. 2025, all the tax cuts except for the upper income levels go away, by the way. Mm. Okay, that's how much they care about you. Mm. Um, 
Then uh, they don't want you to have Democrats don't want you to have gas stoves or a modern day heating system anymore. Oh, what kind of heating system? A modern day heating modern system. Modern day, right. right? Because you know, burning gas does actually put high levels of contaminants well, in with, the air in your house. With global warming, we'll need right. less heat. Um, well, also, more air. <laughs> he returned to a topic that many of you may remember when you remember he talked about the toilets. You have to flush them like five or six times. Yeah, right? yeah, this yeah. This is the president of the United States talking about. Okay, he went back to this with the sinks, the toilets. You can't get any water out of your shower, and. He prefaced this by talking about that, yes, there are places around the country where water is short. But, you know, the water does come from the heavens. <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks. I, I, I know rain comes from somewhere up there. Yeah, somewhere. Anyway. Um, now you know it's from There's the plenty of water. We should be able to flush our toilets and take showers for as long as we want. This is his platform. Okay. Really? So it was, it was unbelievable. It was so callow. I mean, it just, it was, and of course, you know, Carlson is just fawning over him. Yeah. In spite of the fact, of course, he said how much he hated him in those emails at Fox, which was part of the reason he got fired. Right. But uh, it was. Uh, so Tucker Carlson for VP? Oh, no. No? No. Carlson, if there's, I mean, Trump is one of the most hated politicians in the country, but Carlson may be hated even more. <laughs> Charles, um, Thank you for subjecting yourself to 15 minutes of the Trump. No, it was more than, it was almost sorry, 30, sorry, 30, 30 minutes. minutes sorry. Yeah, all yeah. but 15 minutes. All but 15 right. minutes. Okay. That's correct. Again, that, 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 uh, that, that doesn't compare at all to the uh, two hours that Kathy and I spent watching the uh, debate itself. So. <laughs> well, it sounds like at least they asked them something on issues that well, this might is true. matter. No, I mean, I, I would say I think Fox, they, they did okay by, you know, moderating the debate. It wasn't bad. I was uh, not unimpressed for the most part. we got to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Oliver Jumfa. Uh, talking about how his company makes water from air. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Market and Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's Hey folks, welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Thanks to our sponsors and our organizational partners, including uh, Catholic Peace Ministry. That's an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese. Uh, Catholic Peace Ministry focuses on nuclear disarmament, the need for diplomacy in Ukraine, and ending the permanent war economy. You can learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. And thanks also to Architecture by Synthesis. Owner Mark Klipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. 
Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. Well, it's my pleasure to welcome to the program Oliver Jamfa, who hails from France. And Hello. Before that, Cameroon. That's correct. Yeah, and he's doing some fascinating work because, yeah, I mean, water is such a huge issue right now. Uh, water shortages are likely to get worse in the new climate era. Uh, and so people are looking for innovative ways to continue to provide water, uh, which without it, uh, we're not going to be around much longer. And you have, um, you're working on a, with, a, with, a, with a business called Aquavera, and you basically make water from air. And when I first heard that, I thought, that's crazy stuff. Uh, so give us a little overview of, of how this works. And I'll, when, I, when I fail to understand something, I'll just jump in with a question. Correct. So thank you for having me today. Sure. So first, before jumping on the uh, water issue, I just want to remind how important water is. You know that um, today in the world, you have 2 billion people who don't have access to water. Mm. Therefore, it's worth working on it to make sure that we can provide drinkable water to the maximum people in the world. And then, therefore, so many years, there are many ways to bring water to people. You can dig a well, you can use different ways. And we believe that technology is a fantastic way to solve the water issue. And air to water technology is an important technology that we want to improve in the future. So, and, and we, we, we talk about the humidity level here in Iowa. Mm -hmm. uh, some parts of the country don't have a lot. We have plenty. And so uh, basically what you're doing is extracting that humidity from the air and, and forming it and, and, and collecting it somewhere as water. Yes, exactly. So the technology itself, it's about, it's easy. It's not rocket science because you can well, make good, it Because yourself. it's rocket science, I wouldn't follow it at all. Yes, because you can make it yourself, to be honest. It's okay. like it's condensation. Okay. First, there are three steps in the technology. Okay. The first step is to uh, take the air, you know, you capture the air. And you have to clean that air, probably the most complicated part of the technology. But after capturing the air, you're going to, you're going to make some condensation, which is reducing the temperature of the air to a dew point, and then you have water. So and I, after that, the last part, okay. you have to put your minerals to have drinkable water. And then you can drink the water. Because pure water is not as drinkable as water that has minerals occurring in it? Yes, you have to add some minerals on it mm -hmm. when you have taking water from the air. And okay. to come down to the point of humidity, it's happened that to make water from hair, you need 30% of humidity in the air. Okay. Frisio. This is 75% of the planet. Almost everywhere you can make water mm -hmm. from the air. It's happened that when you have 70% humidity or 85, like we yesterday. It'd be a lot, yeah. a lot easier, you, even, right? Yes, yeah. Not easy, absolutely. So, I, I, so you're, you're basically, uh, I was wondering about that because we have, we have really, really contaminated water here in Iowa. Our, our rivers are some of the worst in the U.S. And a lot of that has to do with the, the nitrates and the soil that run off into the water. Uh, and so as a result, Des Moines has the most expensive nitrate removal system in the country. Uh, so there's a lot of toxins to be removed from the water before it's, it's, it's usable by consumers. And I imagine in some places, the same problem exists with air. You've got really contaminated air. Yes, but contaminated first just come from the water from the soil. You say here in Iowa it's contaminated because of human activities. Sometimes when you go to Senegal in Africa, the water in the soil is salty. 
So it's naturally salty. Naturally salty. So you cannot dig well and drink Um, water from there. So you have to find a solution. So how how do they drink water in Senegal in that case? Therefore, you have not air for for water. You can um, take that water and desalination. Desalinate. Yes. Okay, right. That's what you do. Sure. So we believe it's much easier to collect water from the air, as I explained. Right. And if you want to do it here in Iowa, you say the what about the, 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 the quality of the air? Once again, there are solutions to remove the pollution from the mm-hmm. air before transforming it into water. So what kind of a machine accomplishes this task? Is this some monster huge thing that's sucking vast quantities of air uh, into this uh, contraption that then makes it into water? Or is it, are, these, are these smaller systems that can be used in homes, for example? Exactly. You have um, different size of the machine. You okay. have small machine that can generate it 12 gallons a day. A small machine. A small machine that you just plug on your electricity and then you can... So that, that would be available for home users? For home users. Really? And uh, for small office, you can find it in a restaurant. And then you have bigger machine that can generate up to 1,000 gallons a day. Mm-hmm. Then you can use it for a village or you can use it for the community. Okay. So what it has take here, it's about using energy. The real challenge is how we're going to make it function without using too much power energy. Right. And this a is a real challenge. Good question. I mean, and that's a, because something has to power those devices. Correct. And you said plug it in, so I presume it, in many cases it could be plow- powered by electricity. Correct. Which is, in my opinion, generally speaking, better than coal or natural gas. Of, yeah, also fossil. Uh, well, all kind of energy can make this machine works. But mm-hmm. we believe in our organization, Aquavera, which is a humanitarian organization where we buy machine and we provide it people in need. We believe we should use solar panel. This is where we are focusing in because solar panels is a renewable energy mm-hmm. and then okay. use it to make those machines function and generate water. So where, where is this, uh, this, this practice being, uh, being accomplished? I mean, Senegal sounds like a great candidate for it, but uh, I imagine it's being used elsewhere in the world as well. Yes, I think that um, for the moment, we are focusing in Africa, where people are really in need. They mm-hmm. don't have clean water at all. So we have targeted sub-Saharan Africa with four countries, Senegal, Cameroon, Ghana, and Rwanda. These are the four countries. Mm-hmm. Why we are focusing this area? Because water, when you bring, when you bring um, drinkable water, you have three impacts. You're changing the life of women and girls mm-hmm. because sure. they are going to fetch water every They're day. They're the ones who are going to the wells exactly. and carrying back And the thanks water, yeah. to the World Bank, it's 200,000 hours per day that children mm. are losing going to fetch water. Such lack of opportunity. How many hours? 200, 200 million, 200 million hours wow. per day. Hours per day? Yes, waste by, by children, by children wow. going to fetch water. The second impact, it's about health. You know that where we're talking about Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, 80% of disease coming from water. Oh, really? Diarrhea, Korea. So mm-hmm. this is a strong impact. So right. when you bring clean water, drinkable water, you just, you just empty the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the third impact is also education. Because, of course, when kids can drink uh, clean water or drinkable water, they go to school. So how come everyone's not doing this? It sounds great. Like, I, what are the drawbacks? Well, the drawbacks is that costs money. Okay. <laughs> that costs money. You have to raise money. This is sure. what I'm doing all the time. But is it, is it more expensive than, say, d- digging a well? Is it more expensive than, say, Des Moines 
most most uh, pricey nitrate removal system in the U.S. Yes, it's still yes, it's still, still more expensive. Yes, it's still more expensive. Okay. That's why we are betting on technology to improve day after day mm. because okay. when we will be able to reduce the amount of energy necessary that we need to generate that water, we will be able to bring it in remote area because there are some places where you don't have power, you don't have electricity. Therefore, you have to bring mm -hmm. a kind of uh, energy which is um, uh, solar panel. Are there any applications of the technology here in the US? Uh, yes, you have some strong manufacturer. I don't know if you can give the name, but they have, uh, <laughs> we, we collect with, we have seen three strong manufacturer mm -hmm. in, in the US, one in Florida, which is our partner. Uh, we, have, we believe that it's not only for poor countries, water is becoming a global issue. Oh, sure. And yeah. therefore, even here in uh, the U.S., in the west part of the U.S., you have dry season. So there are many ways to solve the problem. We strongly believe that technology is the one to invest more and more than other ways. So. Yeah. No, it's a, I mean, in the U.S. West, it's particularly bad. Yeah. It's particularly bad right now and, and not likely to get better. I mean, the Colorado River is, uh, I mean, less and less of a viable source of water. Mm. So, I mean, but then the other problem, of course, in that region is, uh, you said the humidity level needs to be, what, 30% or more? Yes. Well, and, you, and you're going to find humidity levels much lower than that. Exactly. In the Sonoran Desert, the Mojave Desert. You better have 50, 60. So the way to know if you're going to generate water from air is an equation between temperature and humidity. Mm -hmm. It's both. Mm -hmm. So you know that when you get that level temperature, this humidity, you know the level, the, the amount of water you're going to generate per mm -hmm. day. So anyone who wants to apply the technology have to give his GPS coordinate, and then we measure how much, how much humidity for the last 10, year, 10 mm. years, how much the temperature, and we can figure out with an equation, it's math, pure mm. math, and say this is the, the amount of water we're going to generate day after day, which is different day after day, you know? It's not the yeah. same in October than compared to January. Sure, yeah, yeah. So I, I know that, uh, in my opinion, nearly every technology has some downside. Uh, I mean, for example, with the nitrate removal in Des Moines, for some reason, the Des Moines Water Works decides that once they're done removing those nitrates so they don't poison Des Moines residents, mm. they put them back in the river, mm. which I think is insane because then, of course, the next community down the river needs to uh, deal with the problem uh, even more intensely. And, you know, and I, I know that there are desalinization efforts in, in, uh, in uh, countries in, in the Arabian Peninsula, mm -hmm. for example, to trying to uh, make pure drinkable water from the ocean. But that also increases the salination in the water when they, when they put that, that salt back in. Mm. So, uh, so I, I, are there any downsides to your technology? No, I think the downsides is today's <clears throat> level of energy you need to generate one liter of water. So if you want to do it, you, if you use electricity, if you use f uh, fuel, uh, petrol or whatever, that's mm -hmm. a downside. Right. That we are working hard to bring it to a sustainable energy. And that's the, the solar panels you Yes, the solar about. panel. Yeah. So this is what we're working on because today, if you want that kind of machine, if I provide it to you, you're just going to plug it into right. your kitchen. And in Iowa, of course, we do that and we get, and, that, and about 60% of our electrical power comes from wind. Mm. But even with wind and solar, there are downsides. Uh, there are rare earth minerals, uh, and some of them I know are being extracted in the Congo. And with horrific, uh, you know, child labor laws being violated, uh, working conditions are terrible. So I mean, there's a whole whole range of issues that need to be addressed in any any technology technological solution. You're, yeah, you're right. But where we're coming from, we try to bring drinkable water we people don't have. You know, we have children 
just dying in the hospital. We don't mm. then have drinkable water. So mm-hmm. the downside is far away. Sure, I get which, that. Which is, yeah. When we're providing drinkable water to a village, you just change mm. the yeah. entire ecosystem. People still go to school, women starting opportunities. Even in the family, the families tend to be more peaceful because when you have drinkable water, you have to intense. You know, mother come, goes in the morning to fetch water. They are not the water. So we just change the life of the community when we bring drinkable water. Mm-hmm. Now, are there places in those uh, four African countries you mentioned where the primary source of water is, is this technology? We are on the project now in Maka in Cameroon. This is where we are um, working to demonstrate that it can work. Uh, there are more details on our website. You know, we have aquavera.org on the website. You can find information about this uh, project. And we are working on it to make it be sustainable with solar panel, with machine, and uh, more information on aquavera.org. Yeah. Now, I, I should ask you, are, you, are you a business or a nonprofit? We are a nonprofit. Nonprofit. We are a nonprofit, okay. but we are dedicated on technology because there are plenty of uh, nonprofit organizations working on the, um, water. We are the only one dedicated on making this technology, capturing uh-huh. air to water work. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a new frontier. Sure. I'm personally a technological guy, so I believe in it. Yeah. So we are working hard to make it happen. And you say there are, are other um, entities working on the same technology. You mentioned one in Florida. Yeah, there's one in Florida, uh, Charity Water. There's one in the West. We also have in Europe. Uh, you have in Israel, in China. Mm-hmm. All the main major countries are working on it. Mm-hmm. And um, we believe that the more competition out there, the better it is because in a couple of years, or less than a decade, we're going to use less energy to uh, make this machine function, and therefore you're going to find it almost everywhere, I believe. So, so the big, uh, one of the big questions I have is, uh, I mean, Des Moines, uh, Iowa, I should say, has a limited uh, water source, right? You, mostly, most of our water in Iowa comes from rivers. Yeah. Um, I think in some places it might be from aquifers, but... Um, you know that's a that's a that's a limited resource, and yet uh, in the Des Moines metro we see an incredible amount of growth and development happening around the around the central city. More and more demand for a limited resource. Mm-hmm. And my I guess my my big philosophical overarching question is uh, with a global population of eight billion people, and already two billion, as you said, with uh, with problems with uh, problems finding uh, adequate water. What what what, uh, what is the trajectory if um. If, as some of the, uh, the the Davos crowd, the the, the economic leaders say, they, they project a, an easy increase to 10 billion people, uh, does that present insurmountable problems? Uh, I mean, I'll just be candid about my perspective, is that the world's population needs to gradually, you know, not not do anything dramatic, but to attrition, gradually reduce to a more sustainable level that both water and other resources can 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 satisfy. But I, I'm concerned that you know, as the if if the if this prediction of uh, ten billion dollar ten billion people on the planet is is uh, is comes to fruition, is that going to be impossible to provide water for through any means? Yes, except why you have to find another way to get water. You have water in the air. You have thirteen times more water in the air than all rivers. So if you're going to ten thirteen times more water in the air than, than in all rivers, rivers, all the rivers of the world. Yes. So therefore, this is why we have to go and take that part of this water up there. And when you get to 10 billion people in the planet, water will become an issue, you know. It already is, yeah. Yeah, it already is. So that's why you have to find other solutions. And we believe that 
Uh, to waters, it's a good solution. Yeah, okay. Well, we could have a much longer conversation about this and related matters. I really enjoyed having you on the program, Oliver. Thank you, Ed. You're welcome. Fol uh, folks, that was uh, Oliver Jamfa uh, with uh, Aqua Vera. He uh, lives in France, uh, originally from Cameroon, and here visiting the U.S., and I'm delighted to have the opportunity to talk with him. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a minute with more conversation on the Fallon Forum. Years ago, Chef George Fromaro envisioned a new market to house all his favorite foods under one roof in the heart of Des Moines. From that vision, Gateway Market was born. Over the years, Gateway has become Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate, personalized service. Gateway's welcoming environment in downtown's Sherman Hill neighborhood encourages discovery and honors the simple pleasures of the table. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, experience the good food difference at Gateway Marketing Cafe. Catholic Peace Ministry was founded in 1981 to work for peace and justice. It's an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese and is guided by an ecumenical board representing many faith traditions. CPM focuses on the urgency of nuclear disarmament and the need for diplomacy in Ukraine. CPM also provides an educational forum about the permanent war economy, which must be challenged if we are to achieve lasting peace and justice. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. Welcome back to the Valley Forum. Thanks again to our sponsors, including Westerm Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Dr. Joel Westerm and his staff are open uh, from uh, Friday at 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. His staff are also fluent in Spanish and English. That's Westerm Optometry. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all manner of creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. All right, Charles, um, doctor, I can call you doctor now because we're discussing a medical matter, correct? That's correct. All right. You wanted to talk about COVID today, and I have no idea why. Because I... Well, I, I thought it would be fitting uh, for a couple reasons. Okay. You know, one, we're having another kind of summer surge, which is a bit unusual. Why is it unusual? Well, for coronaviruses, this is not usually a season where you see a lot of um, you know, surging in terms of the numbers. I thought that was like with the flu, but flu is more of a winter well, flu thing, is a different COVID, virus. Yeah, but right. COVID, COVID is a kind of a year-round spectacle, right? Well, that's unusual, though. Usually most, most of these viruses, these respiratory viruses, have seasonality. Okay. But, um, you know, in the background, uh, we, there continues to be things that swirl around COVID. You know, and beyond the issue of, you know, like how free everybody in Florida was during COVID. Yeah, <laughs> like ivermectin, right, exactly. Um, you know, and one of the favorite things, of course, is Dr. Fauci, right? And, and wasn't there a point in the Republican debate where somebody deflected answering a question by bringing Fauci up in a question that had nothing to do with it? I, you know, that, that, that I think sounds it was familiar. Yeah, but it, it. yeah, it, it was. It was like they asked them, you know, a question on abortion. He said, you know, but Dr. Fauci. I don't, you know, it, 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 that may that may be the case. It was I, something I can't remember. But anyway, so um, so one of the things that's going around is that um, in the right wing, you know, kind of blogosphere, is that um, Dr. Fauci 
and Francis Collins, who at the time was head of the NIH, mm-hmm. he was also head of the Human Genome Project, and, um, that Freedom of Information requests finally revealed royalties that their labs and they themselves may have gotten um, from 2010 to 2021. This is not illegal. This is actually all you know documented and everything else. Um, and what got out on the right-wing blogosphere was that these were all payments for the vaccines, right? So that they knew ahead of time that there was going to be COVID, which would prove it was engineered, right? right? Uh, and then, of course, when you know the, it, this information came out and the people involved in this are a group that has done this before and not necessarily in a partisan way, but then, of course, Judicial Watch was involved with this. That's, that's uh, the group that's advising Trump on his... Uh, uh, classified documents case. They're the okay. ones who told him that it was perfectly legal for him to have all of them. Okay. He, okay. He de- that he could declassify them with his mind? With his mind. Okay. Yeah. Unlike, and actually, I did forget one thing that was on the Carlson thing. He talked about how Joe Biden had 20 times more boxes of documents and he's hiding them in Chinatown. Like, mm-hmm. he's so fixated on China now. Yeah. He's hiding them in Chinatown. Chinatown, New York? Or and San Francisco? He or? didn't say okay. which Chinatown. Right. Um, and also they're buried under the Corvette in his garage. <laughs> so right. anyway. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, Judicial Watch was involved with this. So they're, they're not nonpartisan. Um, but basically what came out is that, in fact, only three of these hundreds of royalties even came to Collins and Fauci like after 2019. And how much does that amount and none to? Of they... they couldn't say specifically, and none of them were related to the vaccines. But are we talking about six figures or millions or Well, what? but it, no, I mean, cumulatively it may have been six figures, but again, how much the researcher keeps is unknown. So what, why do these payments come to Fauci and Collins? In, in no, they come to their labs. Oh, the labs. But okay. oftentimes, especially if you hold a patent, because if you develop things within the government, the NIH system, you can hold the patent. Um and then sell that patent okay. to the pharmaceutical companies. Right. So, uh, but a lot of the money stays in the lab. But anyway, this turned out to be a big nothing. But it's you know it's all about again it's all Fauci. More interesting is that there's suddenly becoming a lot more writing about the the origin theories of COVID. Right now, where, which camp are you in? I mean, the, the, uh, you know, the, I the camps you, I, are I'm... sort of natural, you know, a uh, natural process, um, a mistake in the lab. Or an engineered virus that they're working on as a bio. I'm not only, Those I, are the big I'm not, no, I'm not only agnostic, I'm disinterested. I think there are so many more important questions to deal with than where did the virus come from? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because there is a group that feels the same way. But um, Oh, good, I'm not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> I feel so good. But, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's kind of interesting because a lot of this has to do with people who came to this even before COVID with some, you know, agendas. For instance, you know, one of the big issues were, were they doing gain-of-function experiments at, right. at this Wuhan lab? And, you know, there's a lot of people... Explain gain-of-function. Gain gain-of-function is, is that you essentially will bring in mutations from other viruses and insert them into a virus to see if they were able to acquire this naturally. Yeah, what could go wrong with that? Well, no, I mean, there's, there's a lot of scientists who, who totally agree with you. Yeah, you know, and, and and also, I mean, that isn't that all? Is isn't one of the applications for that technology potentially bio bio warfare? Well, that is could potentially be one application. Another application would be that if you're going to try to engineer therapeutics or interventions, 
how the, the virus would then behave with these added capabilities mm-hmm. would be nice to know ahead of time rather than finding out afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there were, there were people who sort of carry that with them. Then there were the people, of course, who everything is a conspiracy. And, and then, of course, the one that Trump kind of drove was Kung Flu. You know, which was... <laughs> Such a clever name. Yeah, which was, it was the Chinese fault. And he kind of went almost immediately to sort of saying, oh, yeah, you know, they were engin- they engineered it. Not that maybe it was in the lab and they just mishandled this. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, w- it would not be beyond imagining that uh, a powerful government of the world, whether it's China, Russia, U.S., someone else, would consider an engineering a virus that could cause great havoc. That's, Why not, you that's re- not unthinkable. Yeah, and you would release it on your own people? That, that would be unthinkable. <laughs> probably. Well, maybe, maybe not entirely, but probably. You know, So it's, it's not unthinkable. But to me, it's like, okay, so, I mean, there, to me, this is like, a, we're done with this debate. And here we are talking about it. But to me, it's like, you know, I mean, what? 2% of those who contracted COVID, or 0.2%, I think? Well, what is it? It's a really small number of people who actually die from it. And less now than early on. Well, less now. That's correct because yeah. you've got vaccinated people and people well, who've and, gotten immunity. And the immunity too, too. You know, I right. mean, my own personal experience with COVID one time was it was, it was not that. It was pretty mild. You just had it. How was it for you? Well, I've had two cases that were mild, but I mean, you had millions of people who died. I know. I know. Yeah. Sure. And you know, again, it's easy for someone who wasn't in the hospitals. I get it. To yeah. see what it was like to die. But from now, that. but now I've heard that the uh, intubation, the putting uh, early victims on uh, on. Um, on uh, oxygen, turned out to be a bad idea. Well, putting them on mechanical ventilation mechanical turned out ventilation. to be a bad idea. Right. But here again, why is that? We don't know. I mean, it. it but but, it, but they but they they've documented that people died people because did, they were put on mechanical ventilation. People quickly were switched. People were quickly switched to using non-invasive high flow support, and that seemed to get people through. It's not entirely clear why that's the case. See, I mean, this is part of the problem. But then I'll get back to what is actually kind of interesting that's come out about it. Um, everybody behaves like in February of 2020 when the first cases began to appear that everybody knew everything they know now, yeah, that's, right? That's, yeah. and, and so, you know, that's how, that's kind of the DeSantis thing, which is he's presenting, oh, I just kept Florida open because I knew it was safe. No, you know, it was, it was a guess. And by the way, there's, Plenty of video of Ron DeSantis waiting anxiously for the vaccines to be first delivered in <laughs> really? Florida. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Any video from actually getting the shot? No, but I'm sure there isn't, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure there's no video of RFK getting the shot either, but he has. <laughs> but he did. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but no, I, th- I think the reason people are, are still wanting to investigate this is because if it's natural spillover. What do you mean by natural spillover? that it's acquired function of a virus that was pre-existing. Okay, all right. Um, but that it occurred in the natural world, right. you know, not in a lab. Um, I, I think that became unattractive for various reasons. One is, if that's the case, it's going to happen again. Well, is there any doubt that we're not going to have another pandemic? Well, I think if, it, if, mean, if, if, if no, of course, the, the pandemic is the history Sure. Of, of and, human and, civilization. I mean, and, and pandemics tended to be a lot worse. Uh, I mean, what, um, Ebola, 50% um, case fatality rate? Right, but the number of cases of Ebola is relatively low. Sure, but the what, right. bubonic plague, 60% for, uh, okay, fatality Okay, that's a little rate. bit different. Bubonic plague was obviously a huge percent of the population of the Earth at sure. the time. 
Well, the, the quote, known Earth, meaning Europe. It was elsewhere. It wasn't just Europe. I mean, the history of it is more There's documented history of it elsewhere as well? There is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because yeah. it was carried away. It was carried yeah. by the rats on ships. Yeah. Those dirty rats. Those dirty rats, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Spanish flu, which came out of the trenches in World War I, Oh, right. I, thought, I, thought, yeah. I thought it came out of Kansas. <laughs> well, well, it did. No, actually, <laughs> it? it did. Actually, the belief was it was carried. It was carried to Europe by American troops from Kansas. From Kansas, yeah. that's correct. But but the worldwide plague came out of its dissemination sure, sure. in the horrible conditions in the trenches in World War One. And even that was point six four percent fatality. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, bad. A lot of lot, lot of people died. But still, the fatality rate overall, not that high. Okay, but think about here, some of but, these other pandemics. But here again, you're fixating on only mortality rates. So the other problem from COVID-19 is people who are still suffering. That's a really good point. You know, the long-term who have COVID long-term stuff. morbidity with no predictability. It's a post-viral syndrome. There's post-viral syndromes with other viruses, but not as ubiquitous as it seems to be with COVID. Some of those people are pretty young. The cardiomyopathy was actually more common in young people who spent the rest of their lives with bad hearts. Do we do we know what percentage of COVID uh, cases in, in, uh, involve uh, long term? No, I mean that's we're that's looking at that's that. not that's not uh, documentable. Or it is, but you know it, it, the money is now being put into trying to get programs together okay. to get those kind of numbers and what interventions work. You know, and, and the other thing, of course, is there was a huge amount of damage to the economy because of the lockdowns. Education. Right. And also your medical system is going to take 30 years to restructure. Sure. I, I, I personally know people who quit because they just couldn't right. take the, the, the pressure of it. And I don't, I don't blame them. Yeah. So, you know, there is something valuable perhaps in figuring out. And what increasingly it looks like is it probably was natural spillover. You know, because what you've been told is that one, humans, it was, it was engineered just to infect humans. That's not true. Yeah. There's multiple other mammals that actually turned out to infect. Um, ironically, the lab that they claimed had the virus had sequenced 60 other viruses, 60 other coronaviruses that they had harvested from bats. But it was embargoed because they put out a paper, and then they did, the paper never got published. And it just got unembargoed in mid-2022. And they looked at the sequencing of these 60 viruses that they had gotten from these mines, you know, from the guana, from the bats. Mm-hmm. And nothing that looks like coronavirus was in there. So what do, what do we take away from this? I mean, again, there's been another seasonal resurgence. Um, uh, fatalities aren't as bad. I mean, well, one big question again remains the uh, long-term COVID. But what, what's, your, what's your takeaway on what we need to be thinking about relevant to this going forward? That... That again, it's a dangerous world out there. Wear a seatbelt. And yeah, seatbelt's not going to help you here. Okay. And I think that again, because people have a very poor understanding of history, they don't understand how how infectious disease has altered the history of humanity in many many ways. And will continue to right. do so. And in fact, the biggest killer overall of all epidemic diseases hmm. over time, Small smallpox. Yeah. Well. I, I'm, I look at the decimation of the native population. Well, not no just, but, but yeah. right, but it wasn't just them, but it, it was yeah. smallpox. And that yeah. was a disease that actually was only acquirable by humans. So the, the, uh, the lesson to take out of this is um, eat good foods, get plenty of exercise, and, and plenty of sleep. Well, there's, there, there was, no, there was, there was a huge association between mortality and obesity. Yeah, okay. 
Hey, Charles, uh, thank you so much for joining us, folks. We've been talking to Dr. Charles Goldman. Uh, if you have any questions about COVID, email him at... No, I'm kidding. I won't, I won't do that to you. Anyway, uh, folks, when we come back from a short break, Kathy Burns is going to join me. We're going to be talking about light pollution and how that affects plants. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Clipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. That's architecturebysynthesis.com. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Thanks again to our sponsors, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, that's Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate, personalized service. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, check out Gateway Market and Cafe. Kathy Burns joins me, and we are discussing light pollution, and uh, specifically from the perspective of plants, which is not the usual conversation. I mean, you, we hardly ever talk about light pollution. No, I don't think we have on this show. <laughs> not many people talk about it. You and I complain about lights we a little complain bit. About Excess it. lighting at night. But what are our plants saying? Our plants are complaining too. We just can't hear them. Uh, yes, they they are complaining, and they're complaining in what they do and don't do that we would like for them to either not do or do. Yeah, and yeah, you know, and, and your and your own background. I mean, you grew up in in an area of the state in the country where lights weren't that invasive. It was wonderful, and I slept great every night. No yard light, uh, just, just it was dark, canopy of stars, all that stuff. But really, this is about more than, than beauty and peace and you know, rural loveliness. It's about whether or not food can grow and some, uh, some plants that are part of our ecosystem, uh, how they grow and, and maybe get damaged by artificial light. So you would think, I mean... You know, we, we, we have we have light coming into our bedroom. It's annoying, but I still tend to sleep okay. But mm-hmm. maybe maybe plants. Uh, I mean, in, in our plant scene, we do. We have a big street light in front of our house. I wish we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, plants but, plants have cycles, like like sure. we do, twenty four hour cycles. And I learned a lot looking into this. Um, fruit trees, for example, they need certain, in all trees, but fruit trees. Let's say they produce fruit, right? Uh, food. They need certain wavelengths of light color, uh, as well as a particular brightness during the 24-hour period for for two things. One for photosynthesis, which we most of us know about, you know how plants make food out so, of the sunlight, and then also photoperiodism, which is how they use darkness to regulate their growth and reproductive activities. So I, I presume that the sun provides that light during the day. 
right? Ideally, <laughs> ideally, ideally right. now okay. you have a lot of these um, hydroponic systems and Indoor greenhouses systems, sure. and things yeah. going up. Uh, artificial light it, that emits a reddish range of the spectrum can make the days longer for plants. Uh, they can change their flowering patterns. So mm. the light that can cause trees to grow past the time they would normally be starting to go dormant mm. can cause them not to be prepared for winter and actually, you know, die off because they might keep their green leaves and that will maintain ice and snow on them and break the branches. So how can we never hear about this? Uh, I'm sure some people are hearing about it, but people just like, they like the, the visual part of trees. Um, some folks are landscaping their giant mm. front lawns with trees and then sh- casting light up on those <laughs> to, at night. To help people see the tree. And it, it may and the not be the best thing doesn't appreciate tree. it, yeah. No, I mean, we, uh, but I, th- I think people are very, people generally speaking, are very fond of street lamps. And we had a, we had a, um, an issue here in Des Moines years ago, there was a budget crisis, and and they were going to, or they did for a short time, turn off every other street light. People went ballistic. People want their street lights. How do you juggle that? Um, th- those are questions that uh, municipalities, cities, counties, uh, even you know landscapers yeah. need to need to really learn more about this. I think some people are, but it's not just the plants. It can be pollinators, which do oh, okay. pollinate sure. the plants. There are some types of plants mostly those that have a very heavy scent uh, at night, and then they have white flowers. Uh, a lot of some... times bees will pollinate those at night, and that's how, they find, that's how they find the, the hun- flowers. Okay, so bees some, some, pollinators. some pollinators do their, like, like some animals, like some mammals, like some birds. Right. They are active at night, not during right, the day. Right, okay. right. And these hmm. trees with the white flowers will more, uh, you know, more of them might need... Um, you know, nighttime pollination, mm. and they can't be seen yeah. by the pollinators if the lights are on them. I wonder if any study has been done to, to kind of chronicle the potential, you know, damage to plants and food products uh, from from excessive light. Probably, wow. I didn't. I didn't find it, but uh, yeah. animals too. Um, night uh, night active animals, nocturnal animals, can even lose their way at night not uh not they they just they they get confused and they don't know when they should be out doing what they do because it's too bright at night huh well maybe that would help protect uh, a chicken coop from uh, raccoons <laughs> confuse those raccoons by putting extra lights on the chicken but coop. if we do but then it affects chickens, the chickens too chickens right, aren't right, going right. to get enough yeah. enough sleep but so, when you talk about solutions you were sure. you were asking well what can be done and some people are using a more uh, bluish-hued light in some of the street lamps. However, people can be negatively affected by that because, the, for instance, watching TV at night, looking at your, your device screen at night has that bluish light to it, and that can cause oh. you to not have the melatonin uh, that you need to sleep well. So it's a great question. How do you balance public safety with all these concerns about light, light pollution's impact on plants, animals, and humans? I don't know. I we'll don't have know. to come back to this conversation. Yeah. All right. Hey, Kathy, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Mm-hmm. Kathy Burns, folks. Hey, um, thanks to our guest today, Oliver Jumpa, and to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy, and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks also to our local small business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, and Western Optometry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Catholic Peace Ministry, Iowa Physicians for Social Responsibility, Bold Iowa, and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. And finally, thanks to the Des Moines Irish Session for our bumper music. 
We'll be back next week, folks, with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio.